0: My name is Jacob Stoops.
1: And I'm Jeff Luella.
0: And you're listening to The Page Two Podcast.
1: This is our podcast about the people of the SEO industry.
0: We chronicle the real life stories, experiences, challenges, and advice from some of the most amazing people in the business. In today's episode, we talk with Joe Hall, founder and principal analyst at Hall Analysis. We cover how he began his SEO career, moving from web development into full-time SEO consulting, his time at agencies, greatest successes and failures, his experience with imposter syndrome, his favorite programming language, which is PHP, by the way, his advice for new SEOs, and much, much more. So get your popcorn ready as we dive into Joe's SEO story. Hey everybody, this is Jacob Stoops, and we are back. Episode 52. This is our first interview of the season. And of course, I am your host. Uh, and we are joined by my co-host, Mr. Jeff Luella. Jeff, say say hi to everybody. Hey, howdy, hey. Jeff, you made it back for another another episode. I, I, I was a little worried about you, about you all week. I was literally <laughs> using probably three to four different technologies just to check on, on Jeff because he was slammed.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and some of it I brought on myself. I've uh, started nerding out on some coding project and it's been a little while and was spending like 2 a.m. time to get it done and then waking up for work. And, you know, so wow. uh, things, yeah, I got a little tired there. But the good news is that my wife took the kids on vacation this weekend. So it's just me and code time for three days.
0: Party time, sounds like.
1: It's, it's what happens when you party in your 40s.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, sounds a little boring. Sorry, Jeff. Yes, that, that's totally as boring. boring. <laughs> is that sad? <laughs> it,
1: it's the most boring thing ever, but I'm so excited for it.
0: So we have a very special guest today. Uh, we have got Mr. Joe Hall of Hall Analysis on. How's it going, Joe? It's going great. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, yeah, we are super excited. Um, interviews have been at the core of this podcast since season one, and we are really excited to uh, to dive into your story and, and figure out who is Joe Hall, where did you come from, uh, and to talk SEO. Really excited. Yeah. How'd you awesome. become the honey badger? The honey
2: badger. Yeah, the, <laughs> the honey, badger.
0: honey badger. Or a yeah. uh, a pirate or a boiled peanut aficionado. I'm definitely
2: well. You know, the, that. I got I got started when I got started in SEO. Um, I didn't I I didn't want to be like all of the other SEOs out there that went around and said I'm an SEO guru or like I'm an SEO a master ninja expert. Um, and so being conscious of like personal branding. I figured, well, I'll just talk about what I like to do and I do SEO, you know, and what other things kind of sell my expertise, but not go around telling people you're an expert, you know. Do, Um, do, Do you guys find that you become a little
0: more suspicious of somebody when they utilize the word expert, guru, ninja, any of those like weird adjectives to describe their SEO capabilities?
2: Yeah, I do. (laughs) <laughs> but at the same time, I have like a mixed feeling about it because here's the thing. And this is something that maybe you we're jumping ahead a little too far, but, um, when I first got involved in SEO and like, to be clear, you know, I'm not a normal SEO cause I'm, I'm like someone that, uh, is conscious of personal branding. And I'm actually like wanting to build a personal brand, uh, because I'm a solo entrepreneur. Um, Plenty of SEOs don't do that. And plenty of SEOs probably find me obnoxious and I totally understand and appreciate that. Uh, but I will say that when I first got started in SEO, I had like all of these thoughts about personal branding, like you're mentioning, like these the guys that go out and, you know, talk about how they're an expert and everything um, and how obnoxious that is. But <laughs> to be honest, in the last couple of years, I've been experimenting a little bit with being more obnoxious and I've noticed that it actually works. (laughs) Like when I do things that I used to like turn my nose up at when I first got started, like bragging about stuff or, or whatever, um, I'm getting more response out of that. Like I'm actually getting more leads and I'm generating more business, uh, doing things that I used to think was kind of tacky Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's weird. Like generally speaking, I'm not into that as a professional, but apparently people that are buying SEO services or consulting it, it, that resonates with them. And that was like, that kind of stuff kind of works in some ways. So I don't know. It's, it's weird kind of thing for me to witness, but yeah, I have mixed feelings about that. That whole thing. Yeah, there was a
1: an SEO agency. I, I'm from Philadelphia, but live in Atlanta now. Um, but there was an SEO agency right outside of Philadelphia called One SEO, um, wow. and the CEO there, at least on my drive down I ninety five from the suburbs into Philadelphia, no lie, at least ten billboards with the CEO with his arms crossed, and yeah. it's like guaranteed first page rankings on it. And and as an SEO, it made me cringe so bad. Yeah. But at the other end of that is like he has 10 billboards about this and they were always there. Like he'd switch them out with different sayings and things like that. So obviously like being at that level of obnoxious, like is working for him um, though, you know, I have a personal vendetta, but it's, <laughs> yeah. I just think it's, it's one of those where like, if I get someone who links to me and, and says that they're a ninja or something like that, it's, I, I take it tongue in cheek and I, you know, I do look at the credentials at that point and go like, okay, well, you've been doing SEO for two years. You're not a ninja yet. Yeah. So. <laughs> the, uh, the funny thing, Jeff, as
0: you were talking, uh, especially because we're in, Presidential season, all I kept thinking of was like, if Trump were an SEO, nobody knows Google
1: better than than me. I am the best guy
0: out there. (laughs) On
1: on their site's blog, he has an article about how he's the Tom Brady of SEO. So totally. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. I was just picturing
0: if Trump were an SEO, the types of things he would say. And that's because I just watched the debate. Uh, what was it last, last night? Yeah. yeah. Complete. From what I understand, I don't want to get political, but uh, I, w- I watched it for about an hour and it was just a giant shit show the entire time. And I didn't watch the first one. And I heard that was worse. And I was like, how can it just, how can it get much worse?
2: Uh, and you know, there's something that, uh, something that I liked a lot is that a lot of things that are missed about the debates um, mm-hmm. is that, it doesn't matter who the candidates are either. Exactly. Like, in the last couple of years, um, the last couple of uh, election cycles, the debates have been pointless. I mean, they've been meaningless. Um, and I don't, I don't really, I think it's really about uh, fundraising. It's just a fundraising prop because folks that donate money like to watch the debates and then they get riled up and then they donate more money, you know? So it, it's just a, it's a it's a content marketing you know uh thing you know so it is what it is you know um but yeah
0: if you ask me the real heroes of the debates are the moderators
2: oh yeah (laughs) yeah
0: i heard uh or not heard i read a tweet from uh search discovery's very own tim wilson uh uh analytics guru uh and the tweet read something like uh my old response to the job i would most never want the default answer was kindergarten teacher uh and last night i think i changed that to debate moderator
2: (laughs) yeah definitely yeah definitely cool
0: so let's uh let's back it up a lot of times when we do interviews we get right down in the weeds and then we have to back up a little bit Uh, so so joe uh take us back um tell us about you who are you and how did you get into seo
2: so my name is Joe Hall, um, I, I'm an SEO obviously, um, but I, um, I also kind of think of myself as a, as a web developer um, and because of that I'm a, I'm a technical SEO. Um, I got started in this whole thing on accident. I think that's true for everybody or most people. Uh, so what happened was, and this, this goes back a long time, um, in the '90s, um, I was you know a teenager, um, and I was building websites, uh, and they were you know real shitty websites. Um, but it was you know on HTML, you know purely HTML, GeoCities kind of uh, angel fire approach websites. Um, and I, um, I had a friend then who was more business minded and entrepreneur minded and he wanted to make money with the websites. I didn't really give a shit about that, but, um, Oh, by the way, am I allowed to curse on this show? You just did. Uh, yeah, I know. I, <laughs> did. <crazy>. I, wanted, <laughs> no,
1: I wanted, I wanted
0: to clarify. Before no, you. it's okay. 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 I mean, uh, let's, not, I, I think we're in the, the things you can say, on, I think there are certain curse words okay. that we say pretty regularly. All I right. think
2: there's other curse words <laughs> well, there's that the, there's, leave a, out. there's a switch <laughs> and a dial inside my head, and I can <laughs> easily turn it. But I want to make sure what I, you know, if I need to or not. Um, but anyways, so so anyways, uh, I, I never really did it as a businessman. But you know, I was really good at computers back then. Um, but didn't really know. I had no relative, like nothing to compare what I was doing to. You know. Um, And then uh, when I went into college, you know, I have a uh, – I use a wheelchair, um, and I have a disability. Um, And so when I was going into college, uh, several people in my life then, I was still a teenager, said to me things like, well, you should study computer science because you're in a wheelchair, and that would be an obvious thing that you could do, you know, when you're in a wheelchair – and that is like the worst advice to give any young person with a disability is to like you need you should do this because you have a disability, uh, and so and you obviously can't tell a teenager what to do. Um, so uh, I kind of rebelled against that a little bit and went to study uh, political science instead, and uh, which was a really great education and very eye opening, and I got to meet a lot of people and experience a lot of things. But as far as career wise it was kind of a waste of time Um, because when I got out of college, I found it extremely difficult to get a job with a political science degree, even though I was like incredibly involved during my time in college, I was just like super involved in things, but none of that really mattered, you know? Um, And so what I was doing though, while I was in college and after I was volunteering with a lot of political organizations, nonprofits, And I ended up just making their websites because that was what I could do. Um, And then eventually, a few years after college, I'm still doing that. I'm like, you know, these people should be paying me. Uh, So I started a business, a web development business then, where I focused on nonprofits and small businesses. Um, And then eventually, many of those businesses started asking me about marketing stuff. And that seems to be a natural progression for a lot of web developers, web designers, that their clients start asking about marketing and specifically SEO because, you know, you can hire um, someone to do your ads or you can hire someone to do, you know, your your local citations, that kind of thing. But SEO, the, the fundamentals of it is, is kind of technical. So a lot of business owners turn to their web developer first about that. Um, and so I started learning about SEO then um, and kind of got into it then around um, – 2007 I got into SEO um, professionally. Um, and then by 2012, um, that was all I was doing. I was not doing any more web development by 2012. Um, and then that same year, I went off to work for uh, uh, the Ninjas, uh, Internet Marketing Ninjas, uh, Jim Boykin's company up in um, Albany, New York, And I did that for, I think, two years Um, and then uh, went back out on my own in 2014 um, and then worked for a little under a year at Proficient Digital. Um, And that was around 2016, 17, maybe, or 17, 18. Um, Yeah, worked for a little under a year there. Um, But still, like between that 2014 till now, I maintained Hall Analysis. I didn't take any clients when I was at Proficient Digital, uh, but Hall Analysis has been sort of my baby um, since 2014. Um, And, you know, when you're a business owner, you go through different periods with your business. And right now I'm kind of – wanting to put more effort into it and and, uh, build out some more foundational kind of things that will hopefully pay off long-term. And so that's what I'm the process I'm in right now, but that's basically my history in a nutshell. Um, And also I guess I should mention, this is sort of related, but not really. Um, I did a lot of affiliate marketing too, uh, before I got into SEO. I did because when I was building the websites with the web development business, Um, I was also looking for other revenue streams and affiliate marketing was something that I kind of experimented with, uh, was not super successful with any of that stuff. Um, but, uh, it definitely taught me a lot about like promoting a website, you know, and, and building a brand versus just a, a, a site, you know, there's a difference between the two. Um, and so I learned a lot about that then. But yeah, that's basically my experience in a nutshell. It's nice.
1: I'm doing affiliate marketing now. I, uh, <laughs> I'm doing affiliate marketing right now.
2: Okay, cool. Uh,
1: well, it's it, it's interesting. I, I used to play with it in the past, and now I started working with the New York Times and their division called Wirecutter. As um, soon as I accepted that job, I had like 10 of my affiliate friends reach out and like, mm-hmm. hey, can you give me a link from there? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been suddenly lead- their competitor, so it's fun.
2: Yeah.
0: So, Joe, when you were um, a web developer, mm-hmm. what was the tipping point for you to stop being a web developer, and maybe you never stop, right? But to stop doing that as your means of getting paid and start, you know, moving into full-time SEO.
2: So we were so okay. So I was doing the web development for companies and nonprofits, and then when I started offering SEO services. Um, I then decided to get involved in the SEO community, um, and started going to like SEO conferences and stuff like that. Um, and then through doing that, a lot of SEOs, uh, that I met at the conferences would hire me for development work. And I started doing, you know, and that's really where I tell people that I learned technical SEO was, was, you know, being a dev for other SEOs, um, And what I noticed with them was, and with uh, also with building the websites was that you could make a lot more money as an SEO, uh, than a like freelance developer. Um, and also in, you know, in all honesty, admitting in 2009, I was not a very good business person, you know? So, uh, I think my my thought process was not about how I grow a web development business. My thought process was just like, how do I make more money like right now? You know? And if I would, if I had the mindset I had now, I probably would have stuck with the web development business and done it in a different way and tried to grow that business versus just chasing like the, the next money, you know, thing. Um, But I don't have any regrets either, but, uh, but I, I, so I really went into SEO because it was like, well, these guys that I'm, you know, running code for are, are making like four times what I am. And uh, in all honesty, you're doing a hell of a lot less work, you know? Um, cause a lot of my clients now were, uh, strategy people. Um, like what I do now, they they weren't implementing any, any of the SEO. So, it was like, well, gosh, I want to do this. Um, and so that's kind of how I got into it. But, you know, it was still, it was still like maybe like three or three or four years until I quit doing development entirely, you know, um, for, for money. I still do a lot of development now. And, um, this new thing that I'm doing now, it requires a lot of development. When I started a, uh, a, a WordPress, uh, hosting company, um, and so that's not directly development for clients, but it requires a lot of development because I have to maintain a lot of uh, client sites or, or have to provide a lot of technical support or, um, you know, we're building out a lot of stuff too with that company where I'm going to be building some um, themes and plugins and that kind of stuff, uh, you know, so there's development work there too. But that was really the big change was when I realized that, Oh God, like SEOs are making more money than I am and I can totally do that, you know? Um, and so I got into it that way, you know?
1: Lisa, what's your favorite language to program in?
2: You know, I'm going to just take a risk here and just be honest and say uh, PHP. Um, and I say that because like, you know, I always, I feel like a cranky old man all the time though because because like I get like, I, you know, all these folks nowadays are, they're all into like JavaScript frameworks or they love Python or whatever. And I mean, no, no disrespect to anyone. Like I think that all that's great, but, um, I think PHP is not a bad name for itself. Um, I I think that it's still a very capable language, especially the most recent PHP versions. Um, and I, we're already starting to see, uh, I follow the the uh, WordPress core developers in uh, Slack, and I mean, they're already playing out for like PHP 8 now, um, and it's going to have a lot of improvements in that. So I, I think PHP is just a beautiful language. Um, and like, there's a time and place for JavaScript, right? Like, absolutely. And there's a time and place for Python, um, but I just think that PHP is just where it's at. I'm a PHP fanboy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, WordPress has been based on PHP for
0: years, and WordPress yeah. makes up like twenty to thirty percent of the internet, so it can't be all
2: bad, right? <laughs> well, and there's that. There, there, there is the. I think, and I think that that's exactly the point: is that the from a utilitarian standpoint, uh, PHP is like the perfect utility because every LAMP stack comes with it. Right. So, so you're, you're not with, with these JavaScript frameworks, you, you have to integrate that, you know, into the stack um, afterwards. Um, And then on top of that, like there's just a lot of problems with that. There's a lot of problems with client side scripting in general, you know? Um, And, you know, people complain a lot about, um, uh, you know, server speeds and stuff like that, but there are so many fixes now for that. There's so many options for caching and there are so many content delivery networks now. I mean, you can fix all these things that are happening on the server side yep. easily, you know? Um, so I'm a big fan of PHP. I, I could talk forever about this though. So <laughs> I don't wanna I don't want to waste your time with my fanboy no. over it, PHP. It's great.
1: So I started when I started coding, I started coding in standard plain old asp that was vb based Uh and i felt like when i you know started moving like php was way more comfortable with a lot of stuff so um i think i did a lot of my coding in php too and then i stopped coding for a while and then like i started playing with like google sheets and like extensions and they all use javascript Uh Um, and so i so i've been moving more towards javascript not necessarily on the front end i've been playing with a lot of Node.js and you know puppeteer, so I can do some scraping and and things like that. But it's things that people probably would use Python for. But I just kind of understand JavaScript, so it's like why I start from the you know ground up, learning something new. Yeah. Um. When I when I feel like you know something like Node.js and and being able to use that really kind of helps out.
2: Absolutely. So
0: so it's funny uh, as you guys are are nerding out. Uh, I consider myself a technical SEO. I'm not a, by no means a developer. And I'm sitting here thinking I started in Dreamweaver. Anybody remember, anybody remember that? Uh, So I'm more of a front end designer and I'm this, this show every episode, uh, whether it's me getting imposter syndrome because I'm listening to really smart people or people talking about it, hits on it at every time. And I'm sitting here going, I can't do any of that, but that (laughs) it's totally okay because I'm, I'm, I still consider myself a good technical SEO, but you don't have to be a a full stack developer, which is just funny. (laughs) You
2: don't don't have to be a full stack developer at all. You don't have to really even know any of the server-side coding. But what I do think helps for for technical SEOs is to have a basic understanding of how Mm -hmm. the stack works um, and to understand the user path as it relates to loading a URL in the browser and how that URL turns into uh, your favorite meme on Twitter, you know, because that understanding the the complex nature of like, okay, I'm making a URL request, like, and in in like a few short seconds, I'm going to get like a SpongeBob meme, like how did that happen and understanding how that happened in that process um, helps with the, with the technical SEO uh, kind of, approach, you know. Um,
1: right. And yeah. Now get, and now you get the Twitter whale.
2: Yeah, exactly. And also <laughs> how you get the fail whale. Well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Bo- both of those things are, are important to understanding, like technical SEO, to understand that whole that whole relationship between the user onto, you know, the bottom of the server and then back to the user again, you know. So, Joe, tell us some
0: about some of your biggest SEO successes?
2: Successes? Um, Well, honestly, the ones I, my biggest successes, I can't talk about (laughs) because I'm I'm under a non-disclosure agreement with them. Um, And even if those non-disclosures may have expired by now, I don't want to talk about them because I would like to retain them as clients. I'd like them to come back to me. Uh, but I've had some pretty good successes. I've I've taken over, like, the top of rankings for some very competitive terms, um, terms that made clients, you know, millions of dollars um, and that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, but at the same time, I've also seen some big failures as well. Um, and... Uh, you kind of have to balance that. That's 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 the the what happens with any career that you've been in for a while. You know, you you have ups and downs and highs and lows, and that that just happens, you know. Um, but I've had some pretty big successes with SEO where we've taken companies that that are you know failing. Um, you know, like one company, for example, uh, they were ranking number one um, for their target term and uh, they lost it. They they, they went to page two, but that shift um, accounted for half a million dollars in like two months. Um, And I looked at it and I was like, okay, we're going to do this, this, and this. And they were like, they argued with me about it but they did it and they were back to number one again um, and from then on I was like I was like their savior you know um, and so things like that are fun um, to do I had another client who uh, he was uh, I guess I can tell this story it's been so long ago I had a client who was making um, pet urns uh, these are like Earns for your pet if your pet dies uh, and he was the only, he claimed to be the only manufacturer of pet urns within the United States and everybody else was getting urns from China um, and he was actually making the urns like he, he actually had a production facility in California making these urns and um, he was trying to compete against like, you know amazon and like all these other places that were selling these like uh pets inc and all that stuff you know and uh i told him i was like look like and this is like you know he was he did not really have a budget at all for seo um and i asked him i said well let me ask you about your business like is this like you're a retail shop like are you doing retail only and he was like oh no 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 like Half of our business is, is wholesale. We sell to, uh, you know, veterinarian clinics and, and uh, crematoriums that, that would cremate animals. And I'm like, well, let's look into that market instead, you know? And so we looked into that and there was like nobody selling wholesale peckers, you know? Um, so we set up a really like basic landing page for that, had him ranking and his business grew 400%. Uh, just, just by that kind of approach. Uh, so that was a really good win and I was really happy about that for him. Um, so stuff like that happens, you know, um, I wish I could talk about the really cool stuff though, because, uh, Oh, I'll tell you one really cool thing without naming names. Um, so one time, uh, this is before Google got really serious about link building. Um, and actually it still kind of works, but, um, I built a client, a, uh, WordPress plugin um, that included a link in it um, in, in the plugin, like the plugin basically was sort of like a short code sort of uh, that would uh, basically add a widget onto a, a person's site. And then within that widget, we had a, a code, uh, a link basically to the client. Um, the link was completely like legit. It was a, it was a utilitarian link. Um, it was definitely there for good reasons. Um, and that whole plugin generated like, God, like I want to say now probably about 12 million backlinks, uh, to the client. Um, and they went from doing okay with their SEO to taking over like any keyword they wanted. Um, and the surprising thing is, is that whole thing continued to work uh, without a problem even after Penguin. So I built it before Penguin, and it continued wow. it continued to work after Penguin. That's great. And the reason is because, um, and I learned a lot from that whole thing because I followed them. You know, when Penguin did I was like checking on them because I was like, "There's no way they're going to survive this," you know. <laughs> uh, but when I but what I learned from that was that um Google and I think this is still true today, uh when it comes to backlinks, Google Google's algorithms and and everything they do with backlinks is all based around like intent. Like what is the intent of that backlink? Um and the backlinks within that widget, um the intent was was pure. I mean it was it was really it helped the user. It was not something like you know, we're trying to promote them or we're trying to do this or that. Um, it literally was like a very pure backlink that provided value to the user after they clicked it, you know. Um, and I think because of that, it stood the test of time. Um, now, that kind of approach does not work anymore. And um, the reason is because the uh, plugin review team at WordPress.org uh, is savvy now. Um, and they know what to look for. Um, and they will either have you remove links outright. That's probably what they'll do or they'll, or they'll, uh, have, you no follow them. In fact, I think they're more inclined to ask you to remove them because they they're, they're great people, but they don't understand the nuances of no follow and all the other ways to like block a link. So they're, they're more interested in just removing it outright, you know? Um, and so, uh, that doesn't really work anymore, you know, with the WordPress, at least. Um, yeah, but that was a big success for me. And I really enjoyed that, you know, and they really loved it too. So that was cool, you know.
0: So you brought up an interesting point um, with your first success. So the client argued with you and then they eventually did it, and it and it worked. Yeah, uh, and I would say, in my experience on the agency side, implementation tends to be the number one problem, not quality of recommendation. Quality of recommendations, it's yeah. speed and accuracy of implementation. Yeah. So, in that case, or in any case, how do you go about overcoming client objections to ultimately win
2: them uh, over to your side? That's a really good question. So that in that specific case that I mentioned earlier where they were giving me a pushback on it. The reason they were giving me a pushback on it is because up until that point, they, they were doing good with SEO, like, and they knew SEO. And they, this was not a situation where SEO was a foreign concept to them. They understood SEO and they, um, and you could tell they understood it because they were ranking number one for that term. Um, but when I made that recommendation to them, it kind of went against their entire logic process to get ranking to that number one spot. Um, essentially what they were doing was that they were over, they over-optimized that page. Basically they had, they had the keyword in too many places they had uh, they, it was just over-optimized. Um, And so when I went in and basically de-optimized the page and then also encouraged them to figure out better ways to internally link to that page, you know, that helped out considerably um, and it when you have a client that has already gone through the seo process um, and and has already done their optimizations, um, convincing them then later that they did it wrong or that they need to make a change to this or that is difficult because they've already invested the time they've already invested money into that process and if you come in and tell them that no you need to do this, this, and this. Well, then it, it's your word against the last consultant, or your your word against the agency that they worked with, or it's your word against the vice president of the company that read a book once or something. <laughs> you know, you know, you have to kind of like tackle that, and that's difficult. You know, you know, every client's a little different though, and some clients, you know they you've got like a a mid-level marketing manager that totally understands what you're saying and wants to do everything that you have given them but they have to work through a bureaucracy of people uh to to implement what you've mentioned um and so what i do when i work with in-house people a lot of times is i i make sure they understand that like i'm on their side right so so if, if they're having trouble getting something done internally uh, with an audit or something like that, then they need to let me know, like, how I can help them get that get that done, how I can help them convince their managers, um, and how I can be of service to them uh, that gets the best results. Um, and in some cases, that comes down to, like, I need to do an extra layer of analysis to prove a point. Uh, that that's in the audit or I need to give the audit to them in a certain way or a certain format that's easier for them to digest or understand. Um, or it's even like, that. I need to even like help them write out a, a Jira ticket, you know, that could explain this to their development team uh, in a way that makes sense for them to do it, you know? So there's all sorts of things that like you have to kind of work with the company on uh, to get things implemented. I find it easier to get things implemented when I am working with like a lower level person and we can be kind of strategic. Probably one of my least favorite types of clients, and I shouldn't say this because I have a few right now and I hope they're not listening, but (laughs) my few least favorite are the CEOs. uh, Because it's like, you can't argue with them, you know, and there's no one above them to, there's no one above them to, to leverage this off of or, or, or to get them to convince someone else it's, it's just them. And so, and, and also they are kind of always used, even if they have the best intentions, they're used to like, just getting their way. So, so you're kind of like, well, okay, I guess I'm not going to get that done or and and it's problematic as well because they also have their own ideas. A lot of times of what's going to work and what's not going to work. And then you, are basically there either telling them, okay, that's, that's going to waste your time or that's not going to waste your time. Or, you know, it's it's really not a great uh, setup, but um, I guess my best advice is if you can become a partner with someone at the company and, and, and help them, let them know that like part of your consulting effort is to help them be successful internally um, at the, at the, at the company and, and, and if you can do that, then you can get uh, those SEO objectives, you know, met uh, quicker, you know. Yeah, I will, go ahead, Jeff. I was like, since I've moved to
1: in-house, it's interesting from the agency side, I feel like it was always a battle to get in, you know, to the developers' heads or even try to get into the process. Yeah. Um, since i went in-house, like it's still... It's not easy. We're all on different teams, but um, but it's at least there's one common goal, right, with inside the company where we're um, and and I have like a million at bats of like, hey, I joined all the, the you know engineers and developers Slack channels and I comment yeah. and I'm able to you know if I was in the office like you go over and hang out. And and I usually, since I am more technical focused, those are the people I want to hang out with. Yeah. But then on um, like when you're a developer and you hear about SEOs a lot of times, you're like, ah, they're just going to make me do title tags, you know? Yeah. Like that. So, so building that trust and that, like, Hey, like I'm, I have knowledge in this too. Like, I'm not going to tell you how to code, but at the same time, like I'll give suggestions on like, Hey, maybe we can use this framework or this, you know, something there, but like you're totally in charge. So
2: <laughs> I yeah. would say,
0: one of my least favorite thing probably one of the things that i'm worst at uh would be speaking executive speak and having a good sense for what a ceo or a cmo wants or or needs or having patience for the way that they sometimes act because joe you're right they they are certainly used to um getting their own way and quite honestly some of them are frankly, they're intimidating and they, and they know it. And sometimes they, um, when they smell blood in the water or they sense that you are in any way intimidated, they, it, it's just something about them that just goes right after, right after that, that thing. And then, you know, there have been other times where, um, the CEOs had, uh, the best of intentions, but, um, in, and this is just my experience, but tended to be a little bit scatterbrained. Yeah. Uh, so when, and, and sometimes they're a CEO because they're visionaries, they're creative, mm-hmm. which for me is, th- that's not necessarily my personality. I'm more structured, organized, regimented, processed. Uh, so I think it's just two different types of personalities, which for me is a, is a struggle to figure out how can I say what I need to say or communicate in the way that I need to communicate to get them to do what I need them to do and what they ultimately need to be doing in order to achieve the success that, that they want? And, and if you've ever seen the movie um, Inception, uh, where it's like, how can I make them think that the idea came from came from them. So part of SEO, I feel like, especially on the agency side is figuring out psychologically, we know what they need to do. How can I frame it in a way that makes sense to them or makes it really easy for them to do the thing that they need to do or to get out of their own way in order to be
2: successful. That that is so smart. And I think that's a really, um, a good way to think of it. And and, um, I think that it's, unfortunate that we have to do that (laughs) because like because like i'm sitting here like you know when i do an audit for someone um like i i I have to think about okay how am i going to explain like the value of of fixing these internal regrets, you know um or or anything like that and or how am I going to fix? You know, explain the value of of cutting out these ring red chains. You know, um, and so I, I have to think about that. But then I also, like you're saying, I have to think about how I? am going to convince them that this is like good enough to do. If this is going to be have value uh, for them. Um, and so yeah, it's unfortunate we have to go through all that all those hoops And you know, it is what it is. Though I guess they they think in terms of money
0: and in SEO. I don't know if it's more than any other profession. There are a bunch of little things that you do that it's really, really difficult to equate money to like, Hey, go fix that alt text. Or like you said, go fix that redirect chain. I can't exactly tell you how much money that particular action is going to get you. But when you string together all of these actions together in harmony Uh, that's going to get you a lot of money in the, in the end. So it's,
2: you know, one thing that helps me that I've used in the past um, is uh, uh, CEOs um, and business owners, they tend to be focused on things like uh, rankings. um, And they'll focus on like, you know, you know, this one ranking, you know, if we can rank on the first bench, this one ranking, we'll make this much money and, and and all of our competitors are, are, you know, ranking for this one ranking. And I mean, in a way that can be annoying for an SEO, but it can also be kind of a way in because like you can hold back, you know, um, in the back of your mind and, and, you know, when they ask you, well, you know, why do we need to fix these redirects, And I can just say, well, this is part of, our our method to get you to number one for that, for that term, like the, the, you know, and also understand that, you know, you are one, you are one company competing for that term out of the entire world. I use that analogy a lot with clients. I'll say like, look, you know, you want to be the, the number one company out of the entire world to rank for that term. You don't get there by, by not doing everything that's involved, you know? And so all of this stuff that I'm throwing at you to get done, it it's so that you can be better than everyone else in the world. You need to be better than everyone else in the world to get to number one for that term. And like, normally I don't really like focusing on like one or two terms, you know, especially when it comes to like reforming. Um, but but if you can use that kind of mental hack with with uh, clients to say like, look, if your objective is to be number one for this term, or if your objective is to be like, you know, you know, in the top three for this term, or if it's to get a featured snippet or whatever they are obsessed over, um, you can totally utilize that that objective of theirs to like push them into doing everything else that's needed. Because the truth is, is that there is no like one ranking factor. There is no, like, magic, like, formula that we can kind of shoot for. Everything has to be done. Like, everything needs to be done to, to, to uh, increase the likelihood and the probability that you're going to be successful, no matter what your objective is, you know. So getting everything done um, is important, and that's the way you kind of communicate that to the client, is that, you know, this is what's required to get done, you know, everything. You know, um, so yeah, that's one way you can do it, you know.
1: That's great. So have you ever experienced imposter syndrome? It seems like you've, um, have, like, we talk about it a lot on the podcast here, but it seems like I mean, you have a lot going for you. <laughs> um, you know, a lot about SEO, you started some companies, uh, you're, you know, you it seems like you're killing it everywhere, but it, do you ever sit back and just like sometimes feel like, Imposter syndrome pulling So
2: let me first start by saying thank you for saying, and it seems like I'm killing it everywhere Um, (laughs) because I'm not. I'm not (laughs) at all. Um, And, yes, I do have imposter syndrome sometimes. And it's funny that it's funny because I tweeted about this a while back. I asked the SEOs, like, what are your ways to, like, get over imposter syndrome or whatever? Um, And I've noticed that like a lot of people in our industry like to talk about imposter syndrome. Like it is something that they bring up a lot. Um, And everyone has their own advice on how to like overcome imposter syndrome. And I got a ton of responses to that tweet. Um, And honestly, not very many of them, many of the responses were very helpful. Um, uh, just to be honest, like and it's because the, the imposter syndrome is subjective to everybody, right? And so everybody has their own ways of dealing with it, and and so therefore it's like uh, it, it is, you know, some of it, some of the stuff they said were was accurate. But for me, here's what helps me with my imposter syndrome is, and I don't get it very often because I do have like a giant ego, uh, but. But when I when I do get imposter syndrome, um, what helps me – and this is, like, part of my giant ego, too. What helps me is, like – and I shouldn't say this because it sounds like I'm an asshole, but I kind of am. Um, like, if I, like, make a little private list in my head of all the people that are dumber than I am – Okay. <laughs> and, and like and the reason that I do this is because like like wow. I no, I'm just being honest. Like No, it's like,
0: really funny. I like,
2: like it. Like like and I'm just being honest because like there are some folks that um like I'll give you an example. I got chewed out one day by a client. Um he was not happy with something that I that I was working on and he had every right to be unhappy with it. And I was, and it was frustrating too, because I was having a lot of trouble getting this part of the project done. And so I felt like shit afterwards. Um, and I mean, that lasted, that feeling of like feeling you know, like shit lasted for like a week, you know, after that. Um, and I mean, that same thing happens, like even if you're working in, in house, like if, if you screw up something at work, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but what really like made me feel better was, like reviewing, I don't know how to explain it. I can't remember what the exact example was, but I remember like starting to like see dumb things people were saying um online. And and also like to be clear, these people that were saying these stupid things were people that I respect, like people that I really like and respect, and I'm like. Looking at them and I'm thinking, God, like, they are, they are people I respect, but they don't know how to write that HTML tag. Like, what's going on here, you know? And and I know that sounds shitty, but to think that way, um, and I don't say it publicly, I don't say her versus her stupid people, um, like, obviously, you know, I keep it to myself. You get a lot of responses. And I, I keep it to myself, and I and I don't say it publicly. Any, but but I guess my point is this: is that if you're ever feeling like you're less than other people, if you ever feel like you're less than like who you thought you were, it's really helpful to realize that other people around you, that maybe your peers, that maybe people that you have a lot of respect for, that maybe people that you thought were so much more smarter than you, it, it's really helpful to witness their their vulnerabilities as well and to witness their, their you know, flaws as well, right? And that doesn't mean they're, like, really stupid. I shouldn't say that they're stupid, but it just means that I exactly. might know more about something they do, you know? Um, and that little bit of, like, confidence boosting really helps, you know? Um, and it helps me kind of realize that, oh, wait, like, that, like, I'm totally... Not as shitty as I thought I was, you know, like, because they didn't even know this, you know. So I think that that helps a lot. And I think also what kind of helps with imposter syndrome is understanding that um, your level of expertise and your level of uh, how good you are at, at any job is a fluid state and that like, I'm not like it. I feel like the longer I, I do SEO uh, the less I'm sure of things. Right. You've seen that experience graph where it's like in the beginning you start off, you know, in a career path and like two or three months in you think you're an expert, you know, and then like you peak and then Google manually penalizes one of your clients for buying links. And then, you drop back down to not knowing anything. Your confidence levels go back, goes back down, and then and so and the longer you stay in SEO, the longer you re- you know, the more you realize that that you may be unsure of a lot of things, you know. And so I think that's true for a lot of SEOs. The longer they're staying it, the more unsure of things they are. Um, and but at the same time, but it's so it's so damning too because at the same time, the more unsure you are the more blinded you are to your own expertise, you know? So you're more likely to have imposter syndrome the longer you stay in this industry because because you know you're you're not even aware of how smart you are, you know? Um and when you're a solo watch mirror like I am, that can be so um from a business standpoint, that can be really bad because like I'm I'm basing my pricing off of how I feel about myself, you know? Yeah. And that's not a good thing, you know? Like that's when my ego should kick in and be like, you can charge as much as you want, you know? Um, but I don't because I because I because I feel like, you know, well, I don't know, you know, and and so I think it's a really kind of an interesting topic. And I think that it's something that um we should all talk about more because I feel like the more we all talk about imposter syndrome the more we can realize oh well like you know maybe I need to have a different perspective of this maybe I need to really focus on like what's actually happening and, and, and have a, a more self aware of what's where I'm at in this industry and and where where I'm going you know um, yeah. I like to surround myself around
1: the smartest people so I don't ever feel like an imposter because I just know that they're better Oh. And,
2: then I, and then i learned from them <laughs> so are you saying that like you like to surround yourself with, with smarter people so that you know that you're oh, I, I smart mean, it, as i mean they are and then you know that you're not an imposter because you're exactly authentic, you're authentically stupid i'm authentically the the, the guy <laughs> the dumb guy on your list okay well, that's, that's cool. <laughs> i mean in a way that's cool i guess
1: no you know it is i, I like to um like i i don't know i i Kind of get into discussions where, like, I, I love, love to learn and I want to pick people's brains and, and understand that. And part of this podcast is to to interview like some of these really brilliant people, such as yourself, to be able to learn from. And and um, yeah, we all get into our like. I've been doing this, you know probably same length as you and you know i know there's a lot of people that i I, I, you know i'm higher up on the chain on and i know where i I think i know where i am on the chain (laughs) so Mm -hmm. it's it's knowing that like yeah i'm not on the the you know the the dumb list but at the same time i am uh i don't I don't go out there saying that I'm like the, you know, the best either. Right. So I think where, where I kind of have that balanced ego where I'm in there, like, Hey, I know I can know more. Um, when I see like, or, you know, talk to Paul Shapiro, that dude's just like a brainiac or, or Patrick stocks has like a memory of every article, every written, I think. So like, he'll like mention something and I'm like, i'm not sure and he's like oh this came out in 2017 it was this this and this and i'm like oh great you know it's like it's it's really great to you know surround yourself around some of these people and and not maybe physically online is is good yeah um and and i you know i think i'd never come out saying i'm the best and i think that's why i like i don't ever feel like an imposter because i always feel like i'm learning (laughs) um but no i i it is like a different take on it, but I, I do like agree with your end of it too. It's like, you have to know. And I think making that list is like knowing where you're at. Um, and, and knowing that like, Hey, like I'm not the, you know, the the most brilliant mind out there. I'm not working for Google. I don't think like I think people in Google have, have it hard because, everybody wants the answers and they're not going to give you the answers like the real real answers (laughs) and the other end of that is and then when you don't then they hate on you so it's like like, um but like i I mean those guys are ultra smart right and it's like it's you know i look at them and like i'll never probably know as much as martin split yeah Yeah, and i'm fine with that
2: (laughs) yeah you know one of the problems i think with 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 our industry though is there seems to be this like overemphasis emphasis on like the smart person or that smart, that smart kind of archetype of a, of a person. Like, and I mean, there was this really great article I read it was in search engine journal about the, the, I don't know what they called it. It was like the amateur, uh, academic or the pseudoscience kind of academic approach to SEO, um, and the, and the, how like the, the studies, uh, that have been done essentially, you know? Um, and I feel like that was a really great piece. I, God, I wish I knew the the name of it, but anyways, that was a really great piece. Um, and it was, um, really touched on something, but I think happens a lot within SEO is that we try to, a part of the marketing of SEO services and SEO consultancy is to be like the smartest person, you know, and and like, oh yeah, I have this new approach using artificial intelligence, you know, machine learning and uh, you know, this, this, and that and the third and yeah. server, serverless hosting systems and, and it's like Okay. Um, But that's not really what 98% of clients need or use. Um And, and even so, like, I don't know, it just seems like that approach for me, I went into that when I first started into the, the SEO consulting, I kind of started that kind of approach where I was like, yes, I'm going to market myself as like the brainiac, the smartest guy. And then that's how I'll get clients. And I think that that's, that works like I'm, like we talked about in the beginning, like about the sort of like that kind of behavior that is unappealing in some regard does work. Like, I think that that does work for a lot of client, a lot of consultants and a lot of tool providers. But um, at the end of the day, it's all so kind of shallow too, because the client then partners with someone and realizes, well, wait a second, like this person that, you know, presents themselves as, this that you know is is recommending that we just buy links you know um and and that's like to me my whole thing has always been like okay like you get what i tell you you're gonna get like uh, my marketing and my sales process is all designed around what i'm going to deliver you um and so after the project is completed they're not they may not be like super thrilled about me telling them that they need to build a whole new website or whatever, but they're going to be happy that I delivered exactly what I promised because I didn't, I didn't miss, you know, miss, uh, over promise anything. I didn't tell them that, that they're going to get this, 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 you know, and then not deliver it. Um, and I think that's important for me, you know? Yeah. I, I would say
0: my, opinion on an imposter syndrome has has changed throughout my career i i've told this story um many times how i happened to run up against somebody who was pretty well respected in the industry in a very big name and um this happened a couple of times where when it came to actually working with them and you know making a client recommendation and leaning on them for validation and only to look at them and see kind of a deer in the headlights. I've got no idea what you're talking about. Look coming, coming from them to me. It really, it really for me was a major letdown in that I had looked up to those people, but it was also like a major realization Mm -hmm. that one, I'm not as dumb as I think I am. And two, that no matter what your what your name and reputation are in this industry. Uh, there are ta- there are certainly times where people are they're just better, right? It, you know they have more talent, they have more experience, whatever. But there are times where people that you think are better than you are not, and people that you think are not better than you, they might be. Um, And in a lot of in in a lot of cases, they're feeling also what you're feeling. They're feeling imposter syndrome as 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 well. And you just don't know it or they or they don't show it. Um, But there are a lot of people that often feel that way, both big and small in this industry. And I think for me, um, I still feel it. Uh, I feel it uh, not as much as I not as much as I used to. Uh, But then again, I used to care more about trying to build up my personal brand uh, in the industry more so than I than I care about it now. And I'm more kind of comfortable in my skin with my experience and, and my knowledge uh, now than I was, I think, years ago. And for me, that part has, um, being comfortable in my own skin has definitely helped quite a bit.
2: That's awesome. And, you know, the truth is, is that there are a lot of people in the SEO industry and SEO community that are a hell of a lot better at personal branding than they are at SEO. Um and they um you would never know that, you know. Um but they it's the truth. And and uh I always think about um Dave Snyder. Um if you guys know Dave Snyder from Copy Press. Um I met him at one of my first SEO conferences and he was speaking um, and I don't know if he would be upset with me mentioning what he said, uh, during his talk, but he said to me, or he said to the group, he said, uh, that I'm in this to make money. Otherwise I would be at home eating cookies. Um, and for me, like that's the whole reason that I'm, I've been interested in personal branding, um, um, and they that really that's the whole reason I'm interested in anything like regarding the SEO community nowadays. Um, but part of that also means that like I have to deliver on that. I have to deliver when I'm when I'm selling or offering. Um and so that's the only reason I'm into the personal personal branding now. Like it's just just to promote the business and promote uh the work that I do uh, to make more money. Um, I think that a lot of SEOs kind of get into this and the personal branding route is less about like promoting a business and more about just promoting themselves. And that maybe by having a strong personal brand, then then the business will come next, you know, or business will come later or more, more opportunities will come later. And I think that's probably true for some folks. Um, but I tell you, uh, but, you know, after working for a couple of agencies and knowing a lot of folks um folks that can't back up their personal brand in uh s e o tend to get a reputation um on the back end um and and it's it's uh I don't know it is what it is, you know um. But but it is what it is, I guess. You know, uh, I like to really make sure that my reputation um, is kind of uh, one from like that measures both ends that the personal brand matches like the work that I do. You know, and I do that. I think partly I'll do that by freely admitting like things I don't know. Like I, I there there are plenty of things I don't know. Um and there are plenty of things in SEO I don't know, you know. Um and I'll freely admit that publicly, uh, because I don't want there to be any misconception over over what I'm doing and and what, what I'm representing, you know. Yep. Um definitely
0: absolutely absolutely and and joe you've said you've said one of my favorite sayings now quite a bit it is it is what it is my wife hates it but it is one of my, it is one of my best sayings i repeat it over and over and over again and somehow it makes me feel better when i say it um so i want to move on i want to close out the uh the episode so uh we are doing uh, kind of a new thing this season where we poll twitter uh for questions that they would like to ask the guest. And this time around, uh, we got three questions. Uh, and the winner who we will decide, uh, maybe uh, Jeff or Joe, or uh, I don't want to decide. I'm not good at good at making decisions, but uh, the, the, win- the winner is going to get a free page two podcast uh, sticker. Uh, so question number one from Jess, but 666 feet away at... Jess the BP, uh, not not sure what all that means, but she asked, what is the funniest problem uh, that you've seen on Twitter, Joe?
2: Um, okay, not, so, not
0: on, I'm sorry, not on Twitter, on a website.
2: <laughs> okay, yeah, so this is from uh, Jessica Peck. Uh, Jessica, Jessica is actually a former uh, co-worker of mine., uh, we both worked at proficient together. Um, and she is super cool. And super, super smart. So if you have the chance, you guys should all go and follow her. Um, she's she's one of these people who is does technical SEO, but she is also uh, technically savvy as you know, she can write all of her own code and you know, develop products. So she she's amazing. Um, but one of the funniest things that I've seen on the website, and I think I've mentioned this on Twitter before. Um So I had this situation where um, a friend of mine introduced me to somebody. Um, My friend was looking for some SEO help. Um, And so I was helping her out with that. And then she introduced me to this other guy. Um, And he was like, oh, you do SEO? And he was like, you know, uh, I've heard that. I've been trying to optimize my site. Would you mind just taking a look at it? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, I have this problem where um, when you search for my brand name, like I'm there as the first result, but like the the he- heading in the search snippet um, is not like, it's just a weird heading. And I looked at the, I looked at the, the search and um, it was like the site was there. Number one for his brand name and he had site links, uh, but the title of the search snippet was just, Really weird looking. Um, and I asked him, I was like, Oh, this is weird. And so I went, looked at the homepage and looked at the source code. And what he'd done was the title tag of his page was just like a long list of like keywords, like in a comma separated values, um, list, like one comma after another keyword. And I was like, What? what's going on here, man? I'm like, wh- wh- why is your title tag like that? And he was like, well, I heard that, you know, if you put the keywords in the title tag, then you'll uh, you'll rank for those keywords. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, so that was probably the funniest thing. Uh, I had explained funny. it to him, like, I was like, well, you know, you have to actually write, like, actual sentences in, in the title tag. And then for each one of these keywords, you should probably create, like, a separate piece of content and utilize that keyword in the title tag. And the title tag would include, like, the title of the page, not just the keywords, you know, listed. And so that's why when you look at Google, like, that's why it looks so weird because that's what it's showing, you know. Um, so that was probably the funniest thing. Um, and it was stuff like that, like, where you, you encounter people like that throughout your career. Most people that spend money on SEO aren't making mistakes like that. So I don't get that kind of stuff with, with uh, clients, but occasionally I get that kind of stuff with folks that are like a, a real small business website or something. Um, and it's things like that, where it's like you have to really like practice, not just laughing um, or, or, or being kind of an asshole yeah. to them um, because they don't know. And so you just kind of, you know, yep. help them out as much as possible and move on, you know,
0: so, question number two comes from Wade Saunders, who is actually my colleague, Jeff's former colleague at Heels4Corners on Twitter. Oh, cool. uh, J- Joe, uh, what are your favorite SEO reports for enterprise projects? Do you use Google Search Console data for monthly reports? And he says he'll hang up
2: and listen. Not a call in show, but <laughs> you can do whatever you want, Wade. Okay. So, um, I don't, I'll be honest, I don't do a ton of monthly reporting. Uh because most of my projects are are project based. And so I don't do a whole lot of retainer work. I do have one client right now on retainer and I do some monthly reporting for uh, that client. Um, but yeah, I, I use Search Console, I use SEM Rush. Um it's really just based on what the client needs and what what the what we're trying to look at. Um I've used uh Google Data Studio in the past. That's that's pretty good. I don't I don't really Love that. I think it's a little overrated. Um, but there are some things out there that, that are helpful. I really go for like a subjective approach, though, with with reporting. Um, I've experimented a little bit with my own custom reporting dashboard, um, and it, it does tie into a search console. Uh, but what I found with that is that, like I said, for some clients that just search console data isn't enough, you know, um, and you need more. Um, so really just depends on the client. Um, I'm a big fan of Google sheets as well. Um, and I, there's a lot of add ons for Google sheets that can make it super easy to pull data in. Um, and so I love doing that kind of thing. Um, you know, it just depends on the client really, you know, and with enterprise, especially with enterprise, when you're working with someone in house that likely is just as smart as you are, uh, or uh, maybe you know has all the the skills to be as smart as you are. Um, you can really do things with them that is a very custom approach to reporting, you know and and develop a a solution for reporting for them that that's gonna work best for their needs, you know, because they want they have to report that data up the chain. Um, and so putting it in a format that makes their life easier. Is the best, you know, kind of route to go, you know?
0: So question number three comes from page two podcast alum, uh, JP Sherman at JP Sherman. When you find, and this is a funny one. Uh, when you find something that doesn't feel right in SEO, do you have a process to discover it or do you start smashing things? And if you smash things, what is the smashiest
2: smashy order? <laughs> so JP is a super cool guy um He's like JP is one of these guys who is probably underrated, uh, and and he is super brilliant um, and does stuff that most of us would not be able to do. Um, I remember one time at PubCon, he just offhandedly mentioned to me, "Oh yeah, I'm building my own knowledge graph." I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> okay, like wow, um, that's incredible." Um, he's a cool dude. So about his, you know, w- smashing things, I don't really know exactly what he means by that. Um, but you know, the name of the, my business is all analysis. Uh, and that's what I do most of is analysis. So usually when things don't look right, I do spend more time doing analysis and trying to figure out why they don't look right, what the problem is and, and go forward. I am super, super, super careful with my clients. I mean, like, to the point where I will even recommend, I'll say, look, I'm going to give you four or five hours of free time so I can figure this out for you before I make a recommendation. Like, I do risk analysis all the time. I do uh, uh, stuff that that I think a lot of SEOs would think is kind of overkill. Um, but I've seen the bloodshed before Um, and I've seen how things can go bad and I don't want to repeat that. Um, And maybe sometimes I'm a little bit more, maybe a little too excessive or too cautious with things that I do. Uh, But I definitely would rather do more analysis than smashing things. Um, And when I do smash things, I do it in like a methodical order. Like I know, I know like, okay, when we smash this, here's the least riskiest way to smash this, you know? And I go through it and, and and do it in a way that like we can watch, you know, oh God, is this, maybe I should have smashed that. Like let's reverse that quickly, you know? Um, so I kind of go through a process that makes sense. Um, it just all depends on the client and the project, what we're doing. You know, a lot of that kind of stuff happens with things like migrations um, or uh, changing things like, you know, uh, cross-domain canonical tags, that kind of stuff that that are kind of out of the box um, and could incur some risk. Uh, So we kind of go through the process and do tons and tons of analysis before we execute anything, you know. So so JP did not specify which
0: things were being smashed. And and most people would, would think inanimate objects, but from my experience, usually it's my head against the wall. Uh, when things don't feel, feel right.
2: <laughs> GP is probably talking more about like server architecture or, yeah. or, or like, you know, the end like internal search mechanisms or something that, you know, are above all of our pay grades. So, uh, you know. Of course he is. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: So, Wh- p- let's pick a winner, uh, Jeff or Joe. Which one of those questions uh, do you do you think warrants a Page Two podcast sticker?
2: Da, da, I'm gonna go, da. I'm gonna go
0: JP. All right, JP. Yeah, let go JP.
2: That's good. You are the
0: winner of a sticker, and we will be reaching out to you to send it your way. So, Jeff, do you want to close us yeah. out?
1: <laughs> sure. So Joe, we like to ask all our guests um, one final question. And that is if you were starting an SEO or what is your best piece of advice to give someone who is just starting out in SEO today?
2: Oh, it has to be just one piece of advice. Well, We can make it a, a, a sum of advices. So <laughs> here's what I think you should do. Understand why you're here. Like wh- what's your objective doing SEO um and understand, um, understand why you're here, and and I think that's the biggest reason. Um, and then also understand, like after you figure out why you're here, understand, uh, if you're here, if you're here to, if if this is going to be a career, and, and if you're here to to make this a career, um. Then understand that, uh, that your value in this industry is, is what's on paper. Um, or I guess maybe not what's on paper, but your value in this industry is, is basically what, what you can offer and deliver, uh, to your clients and to, uh, your colleagues and, and, and the companies that you work for. Um, and that it's not necessarily based on, a lot of the shiny stuff that we see on on social media um, and and elsewhere. Um, One of my business principles has always been the product has to be better than the marketing, right? And that's true for people too. Uh, You have to be uh, a a good SEO. You have to be a good person uh, to succeed in this industry. Um, And that has to be better. And then uh, the marketing you should definitely do marketing for yourself and, and you should definitely get out there and, and promote yourself if you want a career in the industry, but really understand that the proof is in the pudding. Um, and for me, like we talked about personal branding a lot today. Um, I'll be the first to admit I've screwed up my personal brand plenty of times uh, by saying you're doing things that I probably shouldn't have said or done. Uh but one thing that has kept me in this in this game, despite that, is the fact that um, when I get hired by someone, um, I just do whatever it takes to, to deliver, um, and that turns into referrals, that turns into good testimonies, that turns into um, other opportunities opening up for me. Um, but also, like I mentioned, like you really know why you're in this industry because if you're getting into the seo you know, just to promote your own work or just promote your own websites or or maybe you don't even want a career maybe it's just a hobby you know um know that you know cuz i the first time I went to pubcon i remember meeting this guy at pubcon um and i couldn't believe this guy he was like uh he was like i you know i really don't know like what i'm here for like is this a job or a hobby? You know, he said that. And I was actually kind of pissed off at him. Like think when I heard that in my head, because for me, like I had saved up a bunch of money to go to PubCon. I had like like I felt like I had busted my ass, like dragged like a two hundred pound electric wheelchair across the country, uh, to Las Vegas. And this dude is not sure why he's here. You know, like but at the same time, like I now look back on that and I think, well, you know what? Like he was there for the hobby, you know, and he was there for the camaraderie and the friendships, and there's nothing wrong with any of that, you know. Yeah. Um, but if you're in there, but if you're in it for just a hobby, um, then know that. Um, and if you're in it for a professional business, then be like my friend Dave and who, you know does all this to make money you know otherwise you'd be at home eating cookies um and be all in it you know yep. um, so d- know why you're here and 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 take advantage of all that you can to reach that objective you know um and then also I think another thing too for me um I hate to, if you don't mind me just plugging one thing here um okay. I have a I have a blog post on my blog it's it's very old uh it's called. How I became a postmodern SEO. Um, And it's really just all about how all of us approach this industry differently um, and about how we all have different ideas and different things that work well for SEO. And there is no real one size fits all for SEO. And so if you can keep that perspective going forward, and it's something that I have to always remind myself too, is that we're all in this in a different way and that knowing that you know there's different ways to be successful in SEO um is important. And to know that like your way may be different than someone else's, um, but they're they may, you know, it, that's fine. It doesn't really matter. You know, it, 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 it my only issue it, with with SEOs is the only time nowadays that I get really angry with SEOs um, and I mean real angry. I'm not. I don't mean like the stuff I say on Twitter. That's just not really anything. That's just me venting, you know. But, but like when I really am upset with an SEO is when they're not being ethically sound with their clients or customers, and they're ripping people off. I, I can't stand that. But it, you know. But as far as like a a difference in perspective of as far as tactics or strategy, like that's just everybody's different, and and some people can succeed really well with things like buying links, I'm just going to be straight and honest with that. Like some people are really good at that. And some people know how to, um, mitigate the risk in doing that well enough to get their clients, uh, very successful. Um, and some people aren't, you know, and you need to know, that's another thing too. And everybody would advice: know why you're here and know what you're good at, you know, and, and really focus on both of those things. Um, and just go forward from there, you know, um but I think that that's where you know those are my thoughts I think. Cool. That's so, great.
0: So Joe, where can uh, I and speaking of plugs,
2: where okay. can people find you? <laughs> so, speaking of plugs, let me show you my collection. Um <laughs> uh, you can reach me at uh on Twitter. Um Twitter is like my only social media that I use for this industry. A lot of people connect with me on Facebook, but just be warned that i hate that uh so uh on twitter um you can find me at joe hall um my seo uh, consulting website is hallanalysis.com and then my new venture cap uh, my new venture uh is cloud22.com uh, which is a wordpress hosting site um that's right though yeah
0: so, we're gonna do a quick a quick plug before we let Joe go. so if you if you didn't watch the first video, uh, we are now taking ourselves to be a little bit more serious on YouTube. So we're gonna do the thing that my kids do when they watch the YouTube videos. Make sure you subscribe, smash like, hit that little bell, smash it uh, smash. so you can be <laughs> notified whenever we post a new video. Uh, and oh, by the way, I haven't mentioned it. We've got page two podcast swag, uh, which wow. is available on our website. So we're kind of running a serious operation now. It only took uh, 50 episodes for us to get serious about things. So uh, if you want a little bit of swag, uh, go to our website, which is page two podcast.fm. FM.
1: Mine's coming in the mail. Can't wait. Cool. So
0: I, I bought a hoodie, too. You got a hoodie. Yeah, I've been wearing my hoodie all week. Very, nice. uh, very Very warm uh i'll be honest uh so it comes from teespring uh you're gonna want to wash it once it smelled a little funny at first which uh (laughs) it's the uh i guess the new uh custom shirt smell wash it please uh before you wear it but yeah so we'll be designing more uh more merch in different uh we've got our logo in different colors so yeah look for look for that and jp look for your sticker Joe, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, thank you for having a, a very, very long and in-depth conversation. And thank you for being the first guest of the season. We really appreciated talking to you.
2: Well, thank you guys so much for having me. It's been a really great conversation. And um, I am very impressed with with your whole setup here. Uh, and I, I'm gonna, I'm looking forward to tuning in more um, on the podcast. And I really appreciate, you know, letting me be here. This has been a lot of fun.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, thank you. Have a good one, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Page Two Podcast. If you'd like to find out more about the show or listen to more episodes, visit us at page2podcast.fm. That's page, the number two, podcast.fm. Our episodes are also available on a number of other platforms including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Deezer, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Additionally, you can also listen to our show on our new YouTube channel. If you'd like to become a sponsor or would like to be interviewed, get in touch with us at thepage2podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, happy optimizing.